when the crayon flag flies one last time. It's That's So MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello, hello. How's it going, Nick? Uh, it's going great. Um, it was a very entertaining week of games, no? Yeah, there was a... The, the playoffs have been so interesting because I, I almost think that this last uh, match that we've just witnessed between um, New England and New York City was uh, the yeah. only true shootout. Or not even yeah. shootout. It wasn't, it wasn't even that it was like, you know, there was that much back and forth. But there have been so many playoff games in this cycle that have been, um, you know, that have gone the full distance without a goal or have have had only one goal late or one goal in extra time. Yeah. Um, that there, this is the, this is the first real, um, there was a lead change in Nashville Orlando in the first round. But other than that, it's like, this is the first one that had that sort of drama of going back and forth and, and, and uh, having a number of goals that that uh, that changed the atmosphere, although there was a uh, there was a big gap between them. But yes, um, lots certainly. Um, these semifinals have provided no uh, no shortage of events to discuss. Yeah, truly, I feel like there's uh, there's an awful lot of talking points here. Um... Do we want to just get into it and then we'll we'll talk some news and updates at the end? That sounds great. Let's start with uh, let's start with the one that's freshest in our minds. I know sometimes we'll start at the beginning, but 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 heck, we all but saw heck. Uh, last night what I think um, you know is is being talked about is is the most entertaining one yet. New England versus New York City FC, the Supporter Shield winners, the uh, dominant team throughout the regular season. And certainly through the the end stretch of the season, um, had what was it an eighteen day break? Yeah, and 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 some uh, some weeks, three weeks, more than three weeks after the playoffs began, New York uh, the, the the Revs began their campaign, and home against New York City FC, uh, it started pretty bad right off the hop. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't exactly great, was it? Uh yeah, like what is it? Two maybe 3 minutes in. Um we've talked about New England sometimes having a slow start to games and uh Rodriguez is able to just capitalize on a, a giveaway in the box and just smashes it past Turner. Jeez, let people and, get back into their seats. Yeah, and it's not a great look for uh, you know the, the home side coming into things, um, and it. I think we all were thinking at that time, like, is this going to be auspicious? Like, is this the sign of things to come? And I don't know that it necessarily was, but it was uh, a bit of a a weird game, and certainly not the strongest start from New England. I also just feel like this is the one that really was vintage MLS. Like, if we're going to call that so MLS on any playoff game, New England, New York City FC, this was also our best prediction. Like, we called this game as being probably the more interesting (laughs) one. Oh, and it came up in in spades. We had it all. We had goals. We had uh, red cards. We had penalties. uh, The upset to cap it all off. Yes. Before we dive into, like, the guts of the game, I kind of wanted to ask you, 
now looking back in hindsight, do you feel like this was an upset? I think it was only an upset. It wasn't an upset in terms of um, New York City. It's odd almost in a way to say that, that New York City... I was thinking... I was having this thought last night. Where it's like, did they do this quietly? Because, I mean, Castellanos mm-hmm. won the Golden Boot. We, we, we discussed that. But they never... I don't think they spent a long period of time ever in the number one spot. And, and they just sort of had a bunch of... Um, you know, routine, uh, routine and 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 easy to, uh, easy to execute losses against teams that you would expect them to beat. Um, or sorry, victories against teams you would expect them to beat, and it never felt that they were you know one of the absolute best in the league but it also never of course they 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 excelled on so many particular occasions mm-hmm. um so i don't necessarily think in any way that they played a well obviously that it was the, it was it was correct it was great execution on all, on most fronts mm-hmm. um but it's not that they i think like you know had to reach down deep and provide a you know, provide a level that they didn't have in them mm-hmm. because this was a level that they had in them the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that after a fashion, I mean, you, you can probably tell from the way that the, that I, that I went into this, we have talked many times about the, the challenges of being the buy team mm-hmm. um, of, of being, of having, of getting that cursed, you know, Bruce Arena said we foolishly got the bye. And I think that the international break cut into the Whitecaps' rhythm. Um, But having to sit out the first round and also having the second round for the the vicissitudes of national uh, scheduling, national Mm -hmm. TV scheduling, trying to find a spot that you, one team, you start on Thursday and end on Tuesday. And the mm-hmm. team that hasn't played has to be the the one on the the back end of that cycle. Yeah. Um, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want to create any excuses, but I think that as we discussed last week, there was there was um, they weren't necessarily as I uh, I mean neither neither team I think was as. Um, as disciplined as you would want them to be. In addition to that ball, which was pretty easy, they, they moved the for the for the first goal by uh, Santiago, Santiago Rodriguez. They moved the ball around on the ground pretty easily there in those opening minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the 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 second goals for each side um, were both sort of like far post goals. Yeah, where uh, you know you put somebody in a. You put somebody in an open position um, on the far post or on the far side, and you you get the ball to them unmarked. So there was a little bit of a breakdown on both sides, and and I think that that is a little surprising for New England and, and where you wanted New England to be. Yeah, I mean, my read of it after the game is that I think this was really kind of always New York City's game, but New England fought their way back into it. And yes. I think be- 
because of the home crowd and because of the supporter shield. I don't know, but maybe because Bruce Arena got Coach of the Year award before this game, um, which is like, can we stop doing that? I just feel like it just puts like a giant X on your back. <laughs> like, let and I feel like coaches feel that way too. It's like, can we let this thing fucking wrap up before we are handing out the silverware? Right, um, because Curtin, uh, Curtin got it last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and then got eliminated. Yeah. Um. But I feel like that sort of at times belied that New England really didn't have a lot of answers to what City was serving up, um, no. you know, and they did exactly twice. You know, I think I, I was critical of Tejon Buchanan throughout the early parts of the match and, and just, you know, his, the body language wasn't positive. His his play wasn't positive and he, all over the, the pitch, really, I felt like New England's best players were just not performing to their levels and they didn't seem to all be on the same page and then Buchanan is able to to scramble late in the match to to keep New England in it but I sort of <laughs> tweeted like watch after all of this City will win it on PKs because of course my thinking there is you know New York City FC has only had terrible experiences in penalty situations so of course they would come up big in in this instance where they should lose because everything that should have gone one way in this game seems to have gone the other. <laughs> that and is sure absolutely enough. true. <laughs> that's the subtitle. That's my that's that's absolutely the subtitle. Everything that should have gone one way went another. Yeah, you know, like we have the the golden boot winner scoring a critical goal for City and then he also gets himself sent off. And so now we have this strange result again where um, New York City FC is through, but in a critical game against Philadelphia, they're going to be missing their best player and their the the league's best goal scorer. <laughs> so, well, that was a, so so so. There was so many. It's so funny because everything happens in the ends of this game. Because yeah. you have that. I think that one of the things that New England was able to do. You mentioned um, pulling themselves back out of it. That they were able to respond. In that first to that first goal, you know, Rodriguez scores, Buxa scores six minutes later, and then we have a long period of no scoring at all until uh, the second half of extra time. What a what a whirlwind of things to happen in in such a short <laughs> period of time. Uh, Castellanos scores, uh, and then immediately gets sent off for a second kill. Not immediately, but like. Like six minutes later, not and not long after. <laughs> I I had to admit, like you know, something about the vibe when when New York City scored the first time, when they scored the second time, it's like, oh, is this is this happening? Is this not happening for New England? Like I was so ready to sort of believe that, and then yeah, yeah, um, that second one, he's uh, he takes it. He's got a contested header at the far post. Is the is the goal on the ninth? The way they've got it written down here is so confusing. The ninth minute of ex of second half extra time, I think, um, or third. They have it again. They have it written down so weird. It's a hundred ninth minute is the goal. Okay. Um, and then he uh, he gets sent off for what appears to be like you know a pretty a pretty meaty looking foul on a second yellow, and you're thinking like, wow, anything. Kind of anything can happen here. Yeah. After a fashion. You know, they put on teal. But you, I think that whether or not it's just 
the the fact that we are looking at Tayshon and, and focusing on it because we're Canadians or whatever. I think that that his nerves or his attempts to you know pull something off and 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 not get it to the degree that he wanted or or whatever through um through the ninety minutes were were focused upon. But he is right in the right spot to catch this cross for Boateng, who was also a extra time substitution. Or no, not Buchanan wasn't. But uh, one of the, in addition to Bunbury, one of the other players they brought out was Boateng. And Boateng hits this cross that finds Buchanan out wide. Um, just, just pandemonium. And you're thinking for this to happen in 118 minutes. Uh after everything that's happened in the in the previous 10 minutes and yeah because it's so somewhere... late you're basically you i we're all assuming of course it is going to go to penalties um but there's still more flurry and it, it kind of <laughs> i think both sides looked like they might have stolen a deciding late goal um yeah i had seen discussion uh or i had, i heard it said on commentary that that New York City had never won a penalty shootout, but at the same time, the players on New York City had more penalty experience. Like, like the the well, while the club itself didn't have that in its history, they had it in their locker room. Um, and I think that they showed it, of course, because of a of a series of mostly um, well taken strong penalties. Yeah. Uh, Adam Buxas, unfortunately, was not exactly where you would want it to go or, or you know there was a penalty taken I think right after it that was like stronger and faster into the corner yeah. um I had to admit you had tweeted that you thought that this was going to be that if it comes down to the goalkeepers you found it to be really nervous and, and you weren't sure where it was going to go I um yeah I lean Turner between those two um, mm-hmm. If only because of his like you know great performances that we've seen over the last year, um, so it really came down in these. I feel like it really came down in, it, at this point because of the level of execution that both sides were bringing, but especially New York City. It's like somebody's got to make that the you got to make saves, and to their mm-hmm. to their credit, New York City made the save, um, and. New England weren't able to quite do that. I don't know that Turner was bad, like he picked the right one, but unfortunately yeah. what we look for narratively in these moments are are a big rescue from the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, and I I know that it doesn't matter, but in terms of a narrative, if we want to ask the question, like, is the result fair? I, I just feel like there was nothing there was so little about new england's performance that said to me ah yes this team is going to win this game and this team is going to go on and you know play a great game against philadelphia uh, you know and and city wasn't the complete product either because their their two big things is they still get beat out at the far post as do lots of teams and the discipline issues that we've talked about and both of those things came up for city so it you know, I think New York City FC's performance swayed a little or, or you know, looked like it might buckle at times. Um, and at times, I guess, did. But I... Going back to your thing about, like, did New York City really do this quietly? Like, I, 
I feel like they've been so strong and they have faced a lot of adversity because they've had a lot of red cards this season, but they've still been able to kind of come up with the goods and, and just mentally looked a lot more confident heading into this. And, and Sean Johnston in particular looked, Johnson, sorry, uh, look, looked very locked in and, and focused and, and Matt Turner just seemed a little bit unsure looking. Um, I would agree with that. Given how confident he's looked in similar penalty situations, I, I felt I caught a little glimper, glimmer of, like, this hasn't been a great performance. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not mm. where we wanted to be. Um, and I just wonder sometimes if, if Bruce Arena's approach of just letting his players play so freely sometimes means that there's not always as much of a plan in in, in terms of a response and and how to to make things happen it feels like new england kind of spontaneously can make it happen but city just wore them down and i i think stuck to their fundamentals and did those things really really well yeah i think that they you absolutely have to say that they executed um i and and you can't make mistakes when you're up against a team that is of that quality and executing at that quality I do agree with you that something about the coach of the year, something about the 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 curse of the supporter shield and the curse of, you know, their own, you know, inability to convert as contenders was like, yeah. you know, there's there was really a and and I think also the time just led to this this sort of nervous energy of like, are we going to do this thing? Are we going to do this thing? And I think that I don't know. The, the reasons for it are established, but I wonder, a little bit I wonder if things are different if they play on Thanksgiving instead of Colorado-Portland. Mm. Even if even if it's just to cut down the timing a little. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's wishful thinking. But It's possible, but the, the sort of final point I, I wanted to make about this game was just that, you know, I think uh, Carl's heel played okay I think he he came up big in a couple of moments but overall was pretty anonymous and you barely heard his name mentioned in the commentary for large stretches and Gustavo Bo as well that these players have consistently performed at a really really high level um, and I, I felt like they weren't there when they needed to be in this game and uh, I think that is obviously a big difference maker in I feel like... that though, then you also have to acknowledge that Castellanos is that for City, and that means that despite this amazing performance and ability to go through now, Philadelphia looks in fine form, and they've got all their best players available currently. I, I, but I wanted to say that I think that that if you look at the teams, if this is the first round for them, like you look at the teams entering the playoffs. The ones, a lot of the teams that that had the wheels fall off right away, um, weren't able to get their best players performing to the same level that they were in the regular season, and and I yeah. think that you can see that that they couldn't get you know uh, they couldn't get them in the game. Um, let's talk about the other East game because that one also had an interesting shootout. Sure did. Let's go over to Philadelphia. Philadelphia versus uh, Nashville. Um, both of the uh, all the, the 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 goals in regular time taking place in the first half. Uh, 
Hani Mukhtar with the falling header from across forward to uh, score on the 38th minute. And then Gazdag. Can we just, like, RIP whoever's idea it was to just let Mukhtar have a free header uh, <laughs> on an uncontested ball into the box. It's like, really, guys? Come on. Well, maybe they didn't think he was going to get there because he really, like, is falling to get it. Like, the, from where he hits, hits it, it, I would, you know, blame somebody to think, oh, there's no way he's getting it from there. Uh, dangerous game to play, my friends. And, uh, yeah, it was. I, I was surprised to see Nashville go up in, in Philadelphia. I thought maybe Nashville could deliver the goods here, but... Um, it certainly <laughs> changed the complexion of the game for a few minutes. Um, Daniel Gazdag uh, in first half stoppage time, waiting on the, the far side of the penalty area from a from a corner. His first shot is blocked, but he volleys the rebound and uh, is able to score to get uh, Philadelphia on, in even terms, hitting into um, hitting into uh, the halftime, and the Philadelphia crowd lost it. It was, there was so much going on. <laughs> it was a great atmosphere. I, I, I loved it. I thought this was a, a really great turnout. Um, and yeah, just overall good atmosphere in the game. I th- I liked this one too in terms of just like getting on with it a bit. I know that probably both teams uh, after the fact will talk about certain moments of time wasting, but I felt like it was a, a, a fairly clean game and not a ton of mo- ton of moments that are really like controversial. Um, an interesting game, but I felt like it was a little bit more straightforward. It was like two good teams, two defensive teams, two well-organized teams trying to find ways to get past each other, which they kind of did. Ways to get past each other is a great, uh, is I think a great way to see it because I don't, I think that both teams made it really challenging for the others to get their, uh, to get their players involved. Their, their, their key, you know, offensive engines involved. Yeah, and, and definitely I thought we saw rust from both teams. There was moments where I thought Philadelphia really should have finished. I thought Shabilko didn't have a, a terrific game. Um, you know, and, and there was moments from Nashville, too, that just looked a, a little bit rusty. So I think that the fatigue plays a role in some of this as well. But generally speaking, I thought, yeah, it was a good good contest. But then you get to the penalty shootout. And... Uh... I think that this was certainly not what I was expecting, <laughs> because you have um, you have Andre Blake here, uh, you have Hani Mukhtar, the the player that scored the goal and who has been so clinical for Nashville. Two a save on Mukhtar, a save on Godoy to start the penalty shootout, and like even though you know, um, even though. Willis got his save against Sergio Santos. Like at that point, you're thinking, "What are we doing here? We've got four. We've got four rounds. M- Mule misses, and then it's like, er, wait, no, who took first? I'm not. I want to say Mukhtar was first. I want to say Nashville Mukhtar, was first. Mukhtar was first, and that's Blakeson's first big save. Yes. Um, and then he saves against Santos. Oh, I just mean, as- I just mean, did, did Nashville shoot first or did Philadelphia shoot first? Maybe Philadelphia Nashville shot, shot first. Nashville, shot. right? Yes. So it's like you're on shot four, and one shot has gone in, and it's like these things are seventy five percent 
to go in, not to be saved, not to, not to be saved. Um, yeah. And then, not do you just sorry. think, you know, Nashville ends this? We've got, uh, we get a goal then from McGlynn. Good old. Uh, yeah. What technique from the kid steps up huge? Good old Caden Bradengrade himself. Um, <laughs> D uh, is 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 able to score. And then the other two shooters just miss for Nashville. <laughs> Nashville doesn't. Miss. Nashville doesn't shoot. Does Nashville doesn't put one? Um, Nashville completely blanks out of the shootout, which I think I heard said was the third time that it happened that nobody that somebody in MLS shootout and nobody had scored for a team. Yeah, not not super promising uh, performance there. I mean, I, I also just feel like you know. Put some respect on Andre Blake's name here. He just, the stones on that first save is just, like you say, Mukhtar stepping up, you assume it's a done deal. And he just reads it every step of the way. I, I think this is where, um, for me, this the scales really tipped and, and you really saw the difference in, in quality on these sides. I thought Nashville played a good game and overall it's had a, a really fantastic season, but... You know, Philadelphia is just so organized, and Andre Blake is a huge part of that, not just in terms of his ability to save penalties like this and, and stop shots, but the way he organizes the defenders and, and you know, encourages his whole team, I think goes overlooked a lot. Philadelphia now, as you said, they will go uh, and they will host? Yes. Yes, yeah, I believe so. Um, um which is going to be a a good uh I'm that's the one I'm looking forward to. Uh I think that New York City FC obviously has a different style of play to Philadelphia. Um but I think I like that, you know, where you have a good attacking team against a good defensive team. Um it means that they they're going to have to have moments where I think both teams allow a little bit of control to the other team, which hopefully means some goals. <laughs> I mean, like, I think that in this, in, in both of these shootouts, you know, the pressure was on, um, the pressure was on the goalkeepers to perform, make saves. Um, I think that for the union, um, they were able to get through this game without, as you said, a good performance from Casper Shavilko. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get away with it uh, against New York City, especially given that they have that ex- advantage of having their, you know, their big top guy yeah. available where uh, Castellanos is, uh, is out. They've, they've got to, they've got to take advantage of that. And if they can't get him firing, I, I don't see what the future is, but if he is together, I think that it will be great for them. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I think that that's one I kind of look at and go, does that one go to penalties? And if it does, like, how how do those things shake out? But yeah, I I think it's certainly you have to think the scales tip a little bit in the favor of Philadelphia. But after seeing what New York City can do, um, you know. Tati or no Tati, I think that I think that they have a real shot at this game, you know? Um, 
all of the logic inside of me is screaming like yes but so does philadelphia like philadelphia has got a complete team and and a great approach and yet and yet it's mls and somehow that doesn't seem to stand for shit this season (laughs) (laughs) what you're in form you've got all your star players everything is going your way let me introduce you to my friend pain Speaking of, <laughs> let's go to Kansas City. Oh man, what a the the the, the Western Conference. The one thing you could the one thing you can't say about the Western Conference is that it's a place where where logic reigned in these <laughs> in these two matches because they 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 the you know it's the rematch of that de- big decision day um, climactic encounter that ended in that uh that blown handball call in the uh the late goal from Demir Krylak. And yeah. uh then RSL went through the first round notably without recording a shot. Well um in in with no goals through regular time. Well with after two uh two games with the no goals in the ninety Johnny Russell says, "I'll take that penalty, and we will uh, we'll get that one out of the way right away, please." Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, this was kind of a um, one of the games that had <laughs> some surprises in it, um, and I I was yeah I was kind of surprised that RSL like I thought they started strong at first, and then they give up this penalty. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a little bit too easy there and just dig themselves a a hole in a hostile environment. So early on in this match, you kind of think like, okay, well, this is SKC's match to go and win. Or so we thought. So we thought you then have, uh, Anderson, Julio down in schoolyard, Just oh, amazing. Just barely, just sort of barely nudging the floating header in for that uh, that goal in the the seventy second minute. Um, that he, one was off. Uh, was that one off of a Justin Marin ball as well? Did I, I have. I, right? I, it's see. I'm seeing Brody as the assist here. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, but but Julio with that great goal. Um, and, and RSL, I think, performs well in this situation where they can sort of get that power boost um, late. They, of course, they've scored late so many times. And, and you've got to think that they're like, do you think that Kansas City wasn't prepared? Do you think there was a let off? How did RSL pull this off on them in a second consecutive game? To to score and to score an injury time with Bobby Wood breaking the deadlock before when there's not really a chance for anyone to do anything about it. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> was that a question or a statement? No, the question was the question was 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 Kansas City not prepared? Did they put the foot off the gas? How did this? How did it happen to them again? I think what happened to them again is, first of all, RSL is a team that has speed and and pace for days, right? 
And I get Vermees wants to stick to his best 11. But this is a thing that people have brought up is his his unwillingness to make a sub. I think that means that RSL starts to to really find their freshness. You know, we see the influence of RSL's substitutes in this game coming on at a key point. And I think it's those fresh legs that kind of turn the screws on Sporting Kansas City. And as we've talked about with other games, like, especially if you're the home team, it seems, don't leave it late. Like, you really do have to get the business done. And I just felt like Sporting Kansas City at times... They look so devastating in possession, and it just wasn't seeming to click in this game. But we also know RSL has a deceptively crafty midfield that can break up a lot of play. So while I'd say Sporting Kansas City didn't play their best nor really deserve to win this one, I think RSL played a great game. And, and tactically, this isn't just a team that is all about heart. I mean, yes, it's a, a just a ball into the box and Wood just finds a way to get a foot on it and knock it in. This is the mirror ball but, that you were looking for. Right, yes. And and this for me, I also go like, but this is training ground stuff. Like, they've worked on this. This is it's, I'm like, they drew this up recently and, <laughs> and you can tell they've been working on it and I don't know what's catching Sporting Kansas City off guard about it. Um, however, uh, they do it, and so I don't know if it's necessarily preparation, but I, I think maybe it was a little bit of overconfidence that this was going to be an easier game than it was, and I don't think they really respected RSL's strengths that were, you know, they've got a lot of different players that can hurt you, and if you give them half a chance in a dangerous area, they will make you pay. They're not going to put pressure on you for 90 minutes in a game. They're they're just, that's not the kind of team they are. But if you give them I, those little slivers of opportunity, man, they, they will hurt you. <laughs> I I definitely kind of agree when you look at this that, that you know, there is, a, there is a, a question to be made about the substitutes. If he was holding on to some for extra time, well, maybe, but, but, uh, but if you're asking, like, what, how does a team, you know, perform well, and how does a team consistently perform well in the sec, in the, in the latest part of games? Yeah, that'll that'll definitely be be part of it. I yeah I I think so, and I mean, then of course I did the the speculation of like, is this it for Peter Vermees and. You know, I want to clarify. Like, I don't think it should be. I, of course, I think Peter Peter Vermees has done wonderful things for Sporting Kansas City. He's obviously, I mean, he's the longest tenured uh, coach right now, at least with the same team in MLS. And and there's a reason why. But I, it does make me wonder: is that going to be enough for the ownership and for fans? That you know, okay, they kind of are like inching closer to something, but. You know, really, this was this was an important game, and then, uh, and on paper, one that they should have been favorites to win. So, <laughs> I feel like they're going to be asking that question, maybe to Peter Vermees, of like, were you just not prepared for this one? Um, because I think they will be kind of scratching their heads to be like, how did we do so many things right and get get so much right to get here, to 
to lose like that. But, you know, again, RSL bested them, I think. They, they, they had the better strategy and the freshest legs. I reply to you on that, on, on your point about Vermees, because I think that the one thing is that you it's right to look at RSL and be like, you've been consistently good so long. How has it not recently, you know, been able to... Con- how has that uh, not been able to be converted into some sort of tangible result for for that? that uh, and, and, if, and if that's the... If you are looking that we're at this level and we need to convert that, and if we can't convert that, we've got to do something about it. Um, maybe you maybe you do something about it. But I I look at where things have been at, and I with with you know we look at the the absolute coaching carousel, and I think that there's something to be said for consistency. You know, as much as, Good. as much as you could, like, 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 you also have to have um, troubled times. Calm for call for calmer minds. Yeah, you, you, you want to have ambition, and you want to take the next step, and and sometimes coaches, uh, teams do make coaching changes for that uh, measure, but Vancouver did that and got way worse, <laughs> 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 and and. Um, you could really look at like I don't know. I just would say, based on the season, given all of the other seasons the teams had in the league, this is not a season that I would fire a coach over. But no, no, certainly not. I mean, are there things they could work on? You know, could Peter Vermees maybe open his mind a little bit about a couple of things? Probably, but also, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why they're there. There's a reason why they consistently perform at such a high level. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, sometimes you also just, a, a team gets the better of you because they, you know, for a variety of reasons, but yeah, I, I, I think it's probably not the end of the road for Peter Vermees, but it does make me think, you know, looking to next season, there's probably a little bit more pressure on him and, you know, it, it's probably on him to at least have a, a good, strong start to the season. And it will be interesting to see what the kind of the goals are for the team and, and for him and also what his ideas are like i mean i he's not an inflexible person i'm sure he'll learn from this one as well i'm very curious to see what um sporting kansas city does with their roster as teams are now starting to make those decisions about who's in and, and who's maybe out um yeah curious curious one the other game in the west was another little bit of a head scratcher because I wouldn't say that Portland have had the strongest, you know, year. They've 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 had ups and downs. They finished fourth. That's pretty good. Um, but they came up against Colorado, and and that's another team I think that was under pressure of being all of a sudden the incumbents. You know, mm-hmm. of having. So uh, so comprehensively put away LAFC and, and you know I was saying on Twitter that if I made the if I won the the Western Conference and for the first thirty minutes of the game people were the commentators commentary was saying stuff like Island of Mis- Misfit Toys and shit yeah I would be pissed that would suck yeah um. 
That and, was... yet. <laughs> and yet, and also, I feel like this is the the you know the life comes at you fast thing is that you know you go from MLS underdog to all of a sudden people being like. I think a lot of people within MLS and around MLS have been talking up the Rapids and how good they've been. But this is the thing. Then you ascend, and then the expectations change. And so the crappy thing is people talk about you, talk down at you until the moment, and then in the moment when when you don't perform, they're like, well, okay, so where's this <laughs> big, bad, different Colorado Rapids everyone was talking about? And... You know, it's a little bit unfair, but kind of fair in this this game because, boy, Colorado was knocking on the door, uh, but just just couldn't just couldn't make it happen. Please, you said you said on Twitter, MLS comes at you fast, and yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want to remember because, hooey, it does. Yeah, it sure do. One minute you're the underdog, next you're, you know, favorites to to win the West, and um, then you lose to a, a Portland Timbers team that's been up up and down, but f- finding ways to win. And for that minute to specifically take place in the 90th minute is was was wild. Yet another game, you know, where you have. Um, another game where you have you know stuff happening like you said there were some chances um i think the chances were a little bit better for colorado than they were for portland until that goal um but laris mabiala on the corner um doesn't sc- hasn't scored that often recently but he is able to uh to get the meaningful mark yeah yeah i mean and it's it's a good one it's a <laughs> definite heartbreaker of a of a late goal, but you know, as as bad as I feel for the Rapids, it's kind of one where you have to be like, "Well, guys, next time, <laughs> don't leave it so late." Um, yeah, an unfortunate one. The the interesting thing about this one, similar to the the New York City result, is it's kind of like okay. So you did the damage and you're able to go through. Um, two big things, though. Darren, uh, Daron Espria was sent off late in this game after Phew. the goal. Um, so Espria will be out for the next game right. against RSL. Um, and critically also, Sebastian Blanco went out injured in this game. As oh, well. no! He was so... So... The... the... The person who scores and, you know, grabs his own back. Yeah. Put it all on the yeah. line. Put it all on the line. I think this Portland team has depth. Um, and I certainly think it's possible for them to beat RSL, given this, uh, given a rejigged lineup. Um, but, you know, losing Blanco again... And, you know, it's an off-the-ball thing. He just pulls up holding his hamstring. And then, you know, when he's coming off the field, there's there's a lot of tears there. And I think a lot of that is just the emotion of the moment. I don't know that it's necessarily the pain. But, it, I mean, it's hard to see as well. Like, this guy right. has bled for this team and, and fought through tremendous adversity and ACL injury to get back. And to to go out injured in a way that looks to be, you know, 
it's going to take some time is it, just is really hard to see. I hope that Portland is able to rally around that and perform as a team rather than have that really sink their hopes. Um, mentally, Portland, you don't always know <laughs> which team you're going to get. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I, I still think that they've got the the squad to do it. Well, see, I this now becomes a huge <laughs> crapshoot with RSL, where it's like, you know, um, this, you know, I I would have I would have put Kansas City's chances of beating uh, RSL higher than Portland's, yeah. especially for those reasons that you just identified. Is there not another injury? Is Valeri injured? Is there a reason why we oh, didn't see him? Could be, could be, could be. Um, I thought I remembered hearing that Portland had a. I thought I remembered hearing that Portland had another, you know, a big injury, but maybe I maybe I was thinking of... Um... I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, period, and Valeri's been on that list, and Valeri's not featured he- heavily for them this season. And that, that's kind of the other thing, too, though, is that you remember, like, Sebastian Blanco's been out for a lot of this season. Um, maybe that's what and, I was thinking of. Ch- maybe I was thinking of last Blanco. season. So, like, they've still got themselves to this place without those players at, at critical times. So I you certainly don't count them out, but <laughs> as as all good playoffs should end up in this situation, the final four teams, I feel like with all the both games I'm like, truly your guess is as good as mine. Um they're like what's even the point of really predicting it? Uh all of the teams that are there have done surprising things. I think Philadelphia is probably the most consistent team and the most complete team out of those four but as we've seen <laughs> that can actually be something of an Achilles heel apparently in this tournament so huh, roll on the playoffs really good games um, this week and I'm excited for the next I'm going to say my, my prediction a lot of people desiring chaos have been saying we want to we want to see Yankee Stadium host MLS Cup because because it would to see MLS Cup hosted in the baseball field. Hate that. Hate that for us. Uh, so I'm going to make my prediction based on this. The chaos, um, the chaos uh, occasion. Philadelphia hosts against RSL in the MLS Cup final after uh, both of those teams win the semis. Okay. I'm. I, it's in the notes now, so I've, I've committed. This is the problem: is we make predictions and I immediately forget <laughs> <laughs> what, what we called. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's that's definitely possible. I, you know, the the chaos and the chaos demon in my heart really wants uh, New York New York City to host RSL. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. A possible combination of things but RSL yeah that would be it yeah if RSL wins yeah that's that's yeah. that's what makes it is it, yeah, yeah. it you know Portland was seated fourth and RSL was seated you know sixth or seventh or whatever so um yeah there's basically no way if it's got to be Portland Philly I'll watch that game happily too but come on RSL New York <laughs> City like the other the other thing to say about this uh you know I foolishly when we were discussing uh Colorado uh, Portland last week 
was saying, why do they have it so early? And then I forgot that in in the states, Thanksgiving is a Thursday. In Canada, it's a, in Canada it's a Monday. So yeah, I had. I like how you let me bring that up on Twitter first, and then you, <laughs> I was like, "It's your point." It was my point, uh, and not only yeah, no, it, and it, uh, and not no, only that, but it it pulled in record ratings for the league. I was gonna say, it turns out uh, <laughs> we're the dum dums because tremendous ratings for the Colorado there was a, a little bit of a weird uh, controversy because a couple of rating sites because of the way that Nielsen. Uh, reports ratings had suggested that it pulled in 7.22 million viewers but apparently that's because they they messed up when the the, the MLS block started and they caught the end of the NFL game um so it it wasn't 7.2 okay. million it was 1.894 million which is apparently on Fox and Fox Deportes which is the the second, according to Grant Wall, the second most viewed MLS game of all time, other than MLS Cup Finals and All-Star Games, behind only Freddie Adu's debut in 2004, which wow. shows you whenever somebody talks about the the, the hype behind Freddie Adu, you need only uh, bring up that's, that stat, I guess, to say that it's the, it's the only non-showcase game. It's the most watched non-showcase game. Well, speaking of, um, I'm pretty sure he's out of God. I think his option was declined recently. <laughs> um, but I was I was going to switch over to um, some news in MLS. Of course, teams are now releasing their uh, their roster updates as as they're knocked out of the playoffs. And I just a couple of interesting notes that I thought I would share. Um, a few standouts from that is Bradley Wright Phillips was declined by Columbus and will enter free agency interesting to it'll be interesting to see if he sticks around if he's got more in the tank um will bruin in seattle as well as stefan cleveland and i picked out stefan cleveland because um if they don't end up signing him um and it does look like he's out of contract and eligible for free agency i think he's a fantastic young goalkeeper that uh, a lot of teams will be looking to um and i think you know all all mls teams should be looking at um stefan cleveland Interestingly, in Toronto, Ayo Akinola mm. is out of contract, and in the club's roster release, they made no mention of making him an offer or be, to be in negotiations. Um, there must be something, I... or or anything about his future at all. I feel like, given the fact that there's been a lot of like leadership change recently, that this is maybe reading too much into the tea leaves. Um, Certainly, I would have guessed Ayo Akinola is part of TFC's future, um, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, um, I it must it must just be, I right. You're right. Why wouldn't they? Why would they not it? say something if they didn't have anything? To, if they didn't have anything to say? Do you want to hear a wild rumor that I just happened to see um, pop up here? Is that apparently? Um, and this is just off of MLSsoccer.com. The FC Cincinnati is targeting uh, Jim Curtin for the head coach Wait job. until the thing is over. Yeah. If we've learned anything, let's let's hold the coaching decisions until you know one way or the other. Everything I just at. said, everything I just uh, said about, 
about Vermees in Kansas City applies also to Philadelphia. There's something to be said for consistency, even if they have had challenges. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. And, and and they may still win the trophy this year, so no yeah. no sense giving yeah. a eulogy at this point. What a strange rumor. Um, yeah. Oh, a couple of quick up other ones um, just yes. from Minnesota United was uh, Grey Goose, Xavi Alonso, and Ethan Finley are all out. Grey Goose! Um, which I was... Grey Goose in particular, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that one. Ozzy Alonso, you know. Did I say Xavi Alonso? My, uh... Fuck. <laughs> it's, it's late when we're recording, folks. I mean, by now you're my, missed uh, this, but... no, you're... <laughs> Ozzy Alonso, Xavi Alonso... Has not, nor will he ever play an MLS. Um, I would, based on based on absolutely nothing, I would wonder whether or not, um, you know, Blake Cam is that he has somewhere else on his mind to go. Which I mean, like maybe that's the thing for Akinola too. Um, Montreal put out their list um, mm-hmm. with the 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 key people that aren't going to be back. Sebastian Breza is not, not exercising the, the option of per, yeah. uh, purchase. Kiki Struna is not coming back. Mustafa Kiza. Johnny Eves Baloo Tabla, who at one point was spoken in the same uh, phrase as Alfonso Davies when he went to Barcelona, um, will will not be returning for Montreal. Uh, and, and I've heard people talk about uh, NWSL or not NWSL um, KPL, which would be uh, um, which could be good. I mean, I've seen I've also seen people be like, "Well, what if one of the other Canadian teams want to get him?" But it it's all it's all a matter of trying to make you mm. know trying to trying to make everything move in the right direction. The other big news is quote. Defender Rudy Camacho's contract will end in 2021. In the coming days, the club will also be providing an update regarding a forthcoming agreement with midfielder Lassie Lapalainen. Second, second, second point there. Great, bring back Lassie Lapalainen. Second point there. That feels like a pretty a statement with finality about the <laughs> the future of the contract has ended. <laughs> the business relationship will be severed at the future date that was previously agreed. The Rudy Camacho era yeah. over in Montreal. As is the Nani era at uh, Orlando City. Nani announced he will be departing for greener pastures somewhere, I suppose. That's sad. And of course, Chris Mueller played his last game for City as well. Oh, <clears throat> what? What happened with him? Uh, Chris Mueller is off to Hibernian. Oh. Hibernian? That's tough for... The Hibs. That's tough for Orlando, who felt like they were on the cusp of something for a few years there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty decent chunk of change coming in for him. Um, But definitely a a, a big loss to to be losing him. And it'll be interesting to see um, how Orlando reshapes things. But, you know, a lot of big players and... um, that are out of contract and have had their options declined. So we will see how things develop there. However, we did have some coaching appointments oh, yeah. come through. Chicago? Do we want to talk about uh, Chicago uh, first? Yeah, let's talk about Chicago. We got Ezra Hendrickson coming in. 
um, to uh, to take the reins at Chicago Fire. This is a guy who's um, bounced around the league as an assistant. I see with uh, with time in Seattle, L.A., and Columbus. Yeah, yeah, and we were sort of talking before the show about like he's one of those guys where the name comes up and you're like, who is this? And then you look and you're like, oh, it's been in MLS for forever. <laughs> um, we just aren't always familiar with the assistants' names, um, but it, you know, a, a lot of experience coming into things. I don't want to like crap on anybody who's decided to take this job <laughs> but but I also feel like it's kind of a safe kind of I'm like mm, it's not the most ambitious signing for for a coach um, and I'm I'm not entirely clear what the vision is uh, Hendrickson has, has talked a, a little bit about things so far but it's all been very high level, like, you know, we've, we're going to get this thing right and there's going to be growing pains and all of that, which is fine. But it definitely had a different tone than the Bradley at TFC, you know, really sort of talking about the ideas that are coming, um, which is fine. It'll just be interesting to see how it plays out and what um, what he brings to fire. The fire. It's tough. It's tough to bring coaches along because, you know sometimes a coach like Mark Dos Santos comes along where they want to, they want a lot at a lower division. So you say, Oh, well, they're a, they're, they're a winning coach. And then all of a sudden when they don't win, you say, Oh, well, they didn't prove themselves in the top division yeah. or they, um, or they are, you know, a coach like this who, who, you know, apprentices for a, a, a bunch of top coaches, including Siggy Schmidt. And then you say, and then, and then eventually gets their own command. Um, and then sometimes you just happen to be in the right place at the right time and become a local hero in the midst of a, a, a unreasonably good late season run. And if you're Vanny Sartini, yeah, that gets you uh, that gets you the permanent gig in Vancouver. What? <laughs> What's your? assessment of this. I know we've already talked about it, but just sort of like the too long didn't read. How do you feel about this appointment now that it is here? I wanted I told you last week that I wanted a process and I if if this was the best coach then then that's good. Axel Schuster says that he had a hundred applicants for the job, including one who quote won a championship in, in, in two countries. Um so if this is if this is their pick, I mean the one thing that I think that you one hundred percent have to uh, have to, the one thing you one hundred percent have to say over the course of the la the last couple of years to the Whitecaps is if something is working, don't fuck it up. That was the number one thing that sure. when they brought in, I mean I don't think that it was wrong to change from Robinson, but when they got rid of Kai Kamara. You know, when they shipped out of, there have been so many, uh, there's been so many instances of like changes, change for change's sake, um, when it comes to the Whitecaps that you do have a guy here that's good, yeah. or that, or that is at the very least like liked by everyone. I think that being, as I've taught, told you, I think that this thing can't be, can't happen forever. You know, 
this 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 on DMO this this sort of like you know Ted Lasso esque good vibes zone. It will be interesting to see how that continues in a down area. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it was fine when the team was performing really well, um, but you can't just go into every game and say we. I believe we will win. Uh, we, I know we will win. And then when you lose, say, oh, I guess we didn't win. Oh, well, next week. There has to be some level of analysis going into it where, where you're able to to project a positive energy into the team mm-hmm. um, and deliver on your promises if it's not your week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what he does in the roster building department. Um because, well, I mean, simply because we haven't really had much opportunity to see him build a, a roster ever. Um, and and I'm curious to see how that develops, because I, I think at this point it's still a little bit kind of like the house that Mark DeSantos built. You know, like, Sartini came in and completely redecorated and moved all the furniture around, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wow, look at all the light in here. Look at all the space. I love this house. <laughs> but let's be clear, the foundation, the the walls, the the key structures that sort of support that, it, that was Mark DeSantos. You know, there there is, let's give credit where credit is due. Um, it, it doesn't mean I'm unhappy with where things are currently at and the decisions that have been made to get us here. Just that it is sort of the... Uh, you know, people are calling it like uncharted waters now where it's like, well, that's kind of always the Vancouver Whitecaps case. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, as you say, in the adverse moments, what happens because we, we love the enthusiasm. We love a, a player's coach. And also MLS is a pretty unforgiving league and the West is tough. And as mm-hmm. we've also seen, you know, everybody was all about giving Mark Dos Santos a chance, but once things started to turn, they turned pretty quickly. <laughs> and Mark Dos Santos had a lot That's more, true. I think, a longer grace period than a lot of coaches. I think Vanny Sartini has built a lot of goodwill, but I've also seen that drain out of fans really quickly when they're not getting results, um, especially from, you know, specifically the Whitecaps. So uh, I, I really, I really hope he does well. And I, I think that he has got a lot of experience and I don't, you know, I I think all of that will come out, but it, it is a bit of like, a, okay, I guess here's another, like, we're going to have another project and uh, let's hope it works out for us. But as you said, it, it's one that currently seems to be working out. So it, it's not like a, oh God, what have we done? It's just like a, okay, here, here we go. <laughs> let's do it again. He needs to, he needs it. it, it. One of the things that would be great about the roster composition, we talked about the use of defense and the, the use of of the three-man at the back formation. He needs to go get a key center back. Not Camacho, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Um, but uh, he needs to get a key defender if he wants to be playing that in in uh, in the window. That's, the that's I think, the, the if, if he... Figuring out what to do defensively because I kind of think that that has been one of the weakness points. Yeah. I don't think he got every decision right. Um, but does not to say that decisions can't be made correctly in the future. But um, but that's that's what I would 
that's what that's what I would look out for is is to say if you're going okay if you're going to have this different idea these different methodology for the director of methodology which you will keep that post in the team um, you're going to have this different methodology now you have the chance to get the players to fit that methodology which I don't think was always there in that end run although it went very well mm-hmm. so question if he gets fired as coach does he keep his job as like, does he keep his other job I guess maybe they move him back into the organization. Yeah. It would be pretty hard at that point. He could have, he he absolutely could have transitioned back into the coaching staff and been like sort of like a, a you know, a forever. For sure, I intern. I also but, think that like this is uh, has the potential to be a longer, more fruitful relationship if the Whitecaps organization plays their cards right. So I also want to acknowledge, like, it's not all on Sartini. Like, Sartini's been here delivering the goods this whole time. Uh, If there's anybody I'm worried about, it's him. (laughs) You know, like, our club and organization doesn't have the strongest track record. So, like, you know, sleep with one eye open, Sartini. That's all I can say. (laughs) Also, uh, this week... I didn't catch the, uh, I think it was broadcast on One Soccer, but it was a closed-door friendly on uh, against Mexico. Was that even, I don't even know if that was broadcast. But um, Canada lost, to, Canada Women's National Team lost to Mexico 2-1 um, in a closed-door friendly on the 27th of November. And then um, on Monday, they, uh, no, actually early on Tuesday before the, the, Forming a nice double header with New England, they uh, they they face Mexico again. Um, it was not the prettiest of games. There were it was zero zero, and it kind of feels at this point with the Women's World Cup in twenty twenty three. We've got the the Concacaf W Championship next year, but there but we're we're now we no longer. This was not a a celebration tour match. Apparently, we're getting more of those. But they've announced games for February that are all going to be in England. Um. So I don't know exactly when we're going to be seeing more celebration tour based stuff. Everything right now kind of feels in this shadow of a lack of opportunities and a lack of resources or not, or just like a, des- a desire and demand for more, yeah. you know, more resources and more focus and, and, and capitalizing on this moment of the gold medal. Um, the, the performance on the pitch was not what you would want it to be. There were some new players in both games. Um, but you, I, it feels like, you know, from what you hear people say on commentary to, um, the comments from Rand Wilkinson and uh, Karina LeBlanc in Portland at Wilkinson's uh, uh, press conference when she took over as coach yeah. of that team um, to to say like I couldn't work in Canada, you know you have that you have Stephanie LeBay on Twitter being the being the not just the Minister of National Defense but the Prime Minister of. Uh, the the, uh, the I guess the deputy prime minister Christine Sinclair is the prime minister, but uh, <laughs> get it straight. <laughs> but uh, 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 a really vocal voice in terms of like you know making sure that Canada's national women's team gets its due. Um, obviously, we're not going to get an announcement on a league tomorrow, um, or 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 something. But there has been definite 
lack of capitalizing uh, capitalizing on on the women's national team's gold medal, and the and the positive streak of the the men's national team too, because we talked about those yeah. the, about them having the same merch issues. Yeah. And I've talked to people who said they feel like Canada soccer just isn't ready for this in terms of being an organization they have this focus on it. Yeah. Um, the so. And, and all of this, of course, happens in the shadow of the Bob Berarda case and the investigation into that. And and so I, the match wasn't the best, but I feel like it's right now with the women's team, it's it's so much beyond the match. Yeah, is is the focus? Of course. I just can't imagine even uh, trying to play soccer in that environment with so much other stuff going on. <laughs> but no. yeah. It's not a good, not a good. It, it's a, it's a tough thing to imagine for sure. Um, the uh, Camp Yale final is this weekend, oh, right? On, <laughs> yeah, on uh, on on the fifth there on Sunday at at uh, five thirty p.m. Uh, Atlantic Standard Time. Work it out, folks. Four thirty p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Work it out. Um, between Forge Forge hosting Pacific Forge uh, went out on. Out of the Concacaf League tonight on nil uh, nil on away goals, uh, but they will. This is certainly, I think, the two teams in the league that have had the strongest seasons. Pacific has had um, has had a great schedule and great records against MLS teams. It will be yeah. fun to see these two clash. Forge always ends up seems to end up back at the stage, and as uh, as the supporter of the as a supporter of a team that that bowed out. Last year, I want to see. Uh, let's knock those guys off their perch. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the other, uh, the other uh, Camp Hill note, according to the Athletic, is well, not according to the Athletic. I think they announced it uh, as well. Uh, the Camp Hill is in preliminary discussions with the uh, with PFA Canada, the Players Association. Great. Uh, they have talked about. They have entered. Exploratory discussions, uh, and with uh, with players said to be seeking more than more than just higher wages, uh, be seeking a, a voice at the table at decisions like um, like scheduling and 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 sort of their uh, just a little bit more advocacy and a little bit more ability to to be a part of decisions, a little more stability is is how the, the athletic piece summed it up. Yeah. I found it interesting to hear them say um, in the story of Joshua Cloak uh, that, that, PF, that the CPL is hoping the athletic has learned that the CPL has shown interest in proposing an agreement with PFA Canada ahead of this weekend CFL, CF, uh, CPL final. Well, <laughs> shown that better be an agreement to start collective bargaining. No. Yeah. <laughs> Shown an interest in talking about beginning to start negotiating a thing that might happen. Don't overcommit. <laughs> if you're telling me on a Wednesday, they said that they wanted to talk about a collective bargaining agreement in the tweet that they did. If you're telling me on a Wednesday you want to have a collective bargaining agreement on a Sunday, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy <laughs> making that happen. Sure, it'll be fine. But, but I'm sure that that is – I'm sure they're more – looking at the idea of trying to um, 
of trying to get towards a yeah. a a just being able to announce like after all this time rightly of being you know in a of being critiqued for it to be told to be able to say like we're tough we're of all the times that people are saying you know recognize the recognize the pfa we're working on it to be able to have something concrete to say it would be nice between now and the final absolutely well that's a lot of stuff um, <laughs> let that all sit with you all out there. Um, we go again soon. Let that soon. sink in. It's cold. Let that sink in. We have got some wild stuff in store. Uh, until next time, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at teammates, www.team-bates.com. Excellent. And you can find this podcast on the Apple podcast store place wow how many times have we done this <laughs> at that so mls.com where do we find you on, on twitter and instagram that's so mls <laughs> or on facebook too christ i don't know you're listening to the show you found it already why are we telling you <laughs> tell your friends tell your friends tell your friends in advance of the, um, but and until uh and until we see you again if you've just if you're the league score, uh, league leading scorer, and you just scored, and hope to take your team to the to the, your first ever semifinal ever, don't then get sent off from golden boot to golden shoot. 